0: This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship.
1: Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app.
0: You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm Jackie P.
0: This is John T.
1: So today we're going to um, do kind of a prelude episode. um,
0: I like that word, prelude. Prelude,
1: right? As we're going to get into a couple of uh, maybe series or at Mm -hmm. least lengthier, maybe like a part one and part two Mm -hmm. to some episodes we're going to do. So we had um, a listener email us about talking about getting into recovery when you're young.
0: Yeah.
1: And this can be um, an obstacle for a lot of young people getting into recovery. So we wanted to do this episode, and then we're actually putting together a panel. We had one listener reach out to us um, saying that he'd be interested in being on the panel for men.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we're going to have a panel of younger men, or at least they can be older now, but talking about Yeah, what it was like when they got into recovery at younger ages. And then we'll also have a female panel.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm really excited about this because um, I think we mentioned just briefly on the show a while ago that somebody had written in wanting uh-huh. an episode on people younger in recovery, and then this other listener um, emailed there and said, I want to help with this. Um, so we really want this to be an interactive series.
1: Yeah, I think it could be very robust. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So if you're listening to this and you're an old-timer and you're thinking this is not for me, it, it, it is for you, mm-hmm. if we're looking at from a 12-steps perspective, um the 12th step is passing along Mm -hmm. and I think in order to pass along something meaningful we have to know who we're passing it along to Mm -hmm. and so I think this is for anybody who's in recovery just making the recovery community overall more welcoming um, more effective Mm -hmm.
1: Um, knowing maybe what are some of the dynamics that a young person's coming mm -hmm. in with and Mm -hmm. how you could speak to that Mm
0: -hmm. helping young people navigate um, the recovery dynamics so Um, We're really hoping that this Prelude episode today uh, sparks some curiosity and some questions, and we want to hear from you about your questions.
1: Yeah, so we can put that to our panels and have some discussion around the questions that you would have or that you did have Mm -hmm. um, if you were younger.
0: Yeah, yeah. So let's dive in. Um, This is something that... um, When I started thinking how we would kind of set the stage for this episode, the first question that came up is, why don't we see a lot of young people in the rooms? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think depending on maybe the meeting you go to, where it's hosted, um, you may see meetings chock full of young people. But I think in general, um, people under 25 in the rooms are kind of like the unicorn that walks in. Yeah. Yeah. We don't see it often.
1: And, and I think a lot of the thinking is that they're out still acting out, right? They don't know yeah. that they need recovery yet, which there's some truth to that.
0: Yeah, we we do have a cultural norm, I think, around being young and crazy and careless. Mm-hmm. And I've even heard I've heard colleagues talk about it before: is everybody's young, crazy, and careless? Some people just get stuck, and that's mm-hmm. who turns into addicts mm-hmm. um, later on. Well, I think there's some truth to that. I think um, there are some younger people who can realize they're stuck. Before right. they get to 35.
1: Well, and I think you could go back even to our series of how to, you know, interact with kids w- once you're into recovery at the mm-hmm. various ages. Because maybe if more parents were doing those things along the way, we wouldn't have this normal phase of getting crazy, wild, and stuck. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. do we have to get crazy and wild about alcohol?
0: Yeah. Do we
1: have to get crazy and wild about drugs? Like, do we have to about sex? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that that's a necessary that that's necessary for a person's development.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and like we talked about in those um, amends in the family episodes, we talked about taking seriously what your children are feeling mm-hmm. and what they're saying. And I think there's a I think there's a part of that. Um, like, I, I remember reading articles about college campuses. You could probably still find current articles about binge drinking and right. how, you know, like waking hungover on Monday morning is uh-huh. just one of the hurdles you have to get through.
1: Well, and, and for females on campuses, right? Sexual assault's mm-hmm. probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what are we supposed to do? Not go to the parties?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so I think the way we talk about it and the way we normalize a lot of this really maybe hurtful, um, traumatic, traumatic, long-term damaging stuff makes a difference. Yeah. Um, and so I, I was young when I got into recovery, and one of the things I found in the rooms is that... Um, there were a bunch of old guys sitting around who would give me this look like, one day you'll understand it like we understand it. Mm-hmm. And I felt completely dismissed, mm-hmm. and I felt really... Um,
1: like you couldn't possibly have wisdom because of your age?
0: Like, there was that, and there was also this, like, I felt like the group's mascot sometimes. Oh, okay. Um, and that was really invalidating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the things that we'll we'll see maybe come up in the questions, or we'll have our panel talk about, is... Um, what it's like to be a young person going into the rooms of recovery, yeah. and how they're received by the old timers, uh-huh. um, because I I think there's a lot of um, between generations. I think there's a lot of judgment that goes on.
1: I've heard I've heard clients who are young when they enter into recovery to say that it's not really helpful when they say you're so lucky you're getting sober now. Yeah. Like I wish I would mm-hmm. have gotten sober at this age. And that, that overall, that feeling, like the per- person's intent is probably good. They yeah. intend to be helpful or complimentary or whatever. But um, most often what I hear is that that feels dismissive.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that might keep people out of recovery um, when they're younger is the relationship consequences may be lower mm-hmm. or they may not um, have accumulated so many relationship consequences. Right. Like, I, I would say when, you're, when your work life is hourly jobs, um, that you work seasonally, maybe because you're at college, um, losing a job because you can't wake up in the morning or losing a job because um, you were inappropriate with a co-worker or used porn at work or whatever, that may not be as big a deal, losing an hourly job right. versus... Um,
1: a career. A
0: career. Yeah. Um, and so... I'd say the vast majority of people that I work with, I'd be confident in saying 100% of the people I work with come to treatment because there's consequences that they are no longer okay with.
1: Right. They and finally got big enough that mm-hmm. they had to address them.
0: Or they saw what they stood to lose. And I think when you're younger, um, it can be, it may not you may not feel like you have much to lose
1: right or you could still be in like a what we call kind of a transition job right this mm-hmm. is the job i'm working while i'm going to college or this is the job i'm working while i'm getting to this destination yeah. and so losing that job doesn't hurt as much right it's just like well i didn't really mm-hmm. think that was a long-term job anyway
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, i also know a lot of folks in recovery who um their relationship with their children and what that relationship stands to gain Uh and what it stands to lose by not getting the recovery that can be really focusing and that can be really motivating yeah um you know i've i've been uh following the relationship trends and people are um marrying and committing much later so people are getting used to being single Uh and i think living in a single life um we orient to consequences differently than when we're in a committed relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I'm wondering if that's one of the reasons why we see younger people having a harder time getting into treatment too. Yeah. So this, this point came for me out of some conversations I have with colleagues who do work in residential treatment where, um, children of very wealthy families come in with big, big drug problems.
1: Uh
0: And, um, with the work that I've been doing over the last year and a half around mother enmeshment, um, I'll have colleagues ask me about enmeshment dynamics and um, things like that. And um, I've asked, like, how many of your um, clients in this situation would you say have enmeshment issues with their family? And some of my colleagues have said it's probably 100% of the people that come mm-hmm. in. We're looking at those kind of enmeshment dynamics. And I think one of the roles that addiction can play for young people is a clear differentiator
1: uh-huh. from mom and
0: dad and from the family.
1: right if we can if we can reduce right I mean I I do think that there's a I I wouldn't call it necessarily a rebellious phase of development right but we do have a need to differentiate mm-hmm. right and and to start to be our own self and to be different from our parent or different from a sibling and to individuate and become more just who we are mm-hmm. and depending on how that goes right that differentiation stage or that individuation stage is actually going to be some serious rebellion
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: but it doesn't have to be.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I was just going to say I think that rebellion happens when the feeling is not there that the authority figure can accept some movement yeah, or some growth, and, and
1: recognize that this is a healthy development mm-hmm. stage. Like they're mm-hmm. trying to be different than me; they're trying to they're pushing it back a little mm-hmm. bit on parents, and that's totally healthy and normal. But if the parent grabs them and draws them back closer, mm-hmm. they're gonna keep going up and up to mm-hmm. push away.
0: So whether whether that feeling exists because in reality the parents are really strict and authoritarian, or it's a perception, mm-hmm. and there's not clear communication right. about what's going on. Um, I think for some people addiction is a relief, um, because there's the unburdening of family expectations. There's the, um, I'm too much of a screw up to follow in mom or dad's footsteps or follow after this legacy. Uh Um, and so I think for some young people, um, addiction is too beneficial in that regard for them to consider stopping.
1: I remembered what I, um, had blanked on before. So, you know, when I was first, um, kind of, well, maybe first as a new therapist, um, they talk about kind of the average age a client comes in. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and at that time I was still working drug and alcohol addiction. So I was still in the addiction field and, um, not still in, I was starting, I'm still in now. Um, And I've seen that age go down a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? So I think it was like 40, 41. Mm -hmm. And now I think what I've read is the average age somebody seeks therapy is 38, right? So sometimes it's younger, sometimes it's older, but average is 38 years old. And I think as we continue to see access um, and first exposure younger and younger, um, I think that's going to keep bringing that age down, mm-hmm. right? Because if you start looking at porn at eight, right? Which I think right now I, I read between eight and eleven is usually the first yeah. exposure to porn. Um, so if, if you start looking at porn at eight, right? And this isn't this isn't our parents' porn, right? This isn't magazines. This mm-hmm. isn't still photos. Um, th- these are videos, and these are digitalized, resolution yeah. videos, and which is totally different. Has a different quicker impact on the brain. So if you start looking at, at eight, right, that the length of time before some things start really malfunctioning mm-hmm. in your life and in your brain and ha- and resulting in some consequences um, is not probably going to be 38, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be lower than that. Mm-hmm. And I just think, you know, with legalizing some things, not I'm not saying that I'm against legalizing some things. But we're just going to start to see that access open up more, right, because parents are going to have it or friends' parents are going to have it. And so there's just going to be more access to it. And if we haven't really talked to our kids or if we don't have an environment in which the kids might experiment but don't need to escape Mm -hmm. and use it as a strategy for living Mm – um, I think we're gonna start to see those consequences maybe piling up mm-hmm. at some earlier ages than we've been used to
0: so that that brings me to another point that I think is um, helpful to explore and maybe even to become more aware of uh, for our listeners for ourselves is we're seeing this shift in society in general where up and coming generations um maybe this isn't a, I think this is a growing pain with every generation where they'll say the rule book you have doesn't make sense to us. Mm. Um, and while I'm not all for like anarchy and throwing <laughs> out no rules, throwing out established things, I do think there's, I do think there's a lot of benefit and a lot of growth that happens in society when we pause and we say, well, yeah, let's reassess that. Why do we do this the way that uh-huh. we do this? Um, why are those the rules? Do those rules still apply? Yeah. Do they still work? Um, and I, I think in recovery with every new generation, like we've seen AA go through, I don't know how many different iterations um, over the years, uh, with, with every new generation, I think um, young people need a seat at the table. Right. Um, well,
1: sometimes we act like if this is the way that it was, mm-hmm. it couldn't possibly get better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? That this is we the standard. Right. Yeah. And and it couldn't possibly change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some dangerous thinking. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely.
1: I I think also um, just that whole idea that um, young people don't know.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I remember uh, when I was in high school, I was a senior in high school, and we had this, uh, he was a high school uh, teacher. He taught current current issues was the name of the class. It would probably be something different now. And he only, like that class could only be taught to seniors, right? And Mm -hmm. he only taught classes for seniors. But he was kind of this, like, everybody thought he was kind of a cool teacher. He was an older teacher, but everybody thought he was kind of cool. Uh, He was one of my good friend's uncles. Um, And so you kind of looked forward to taking the classes that Daryl Bailey taught. And um, when I was going to high school, right, the end of the year, he'd always, like, he usually came out at, the end of the year, year senior assembly, right? And he'd kind of give a send-off message to seniors. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to get into it now what he did to my class because it wasn't that great. But um,
0: <laughs> just when he said what he did to my class, <laughs> <laughs> what he said about us was not that great.
1: I'll just say, but probably not an inaccurate. Um, but he expressed some concern that I'd never heard him say at these these assemblies. Um, but he would he was teaching these current issues classes, and I remember the first day it was a year long class, and I remember the first day of school, walking into that class, and he had a quote up on the board um, that he kept there all year long. And um, it was a David Bowie quote. Mm -hmm. And it, I, you know, I mean, it's in a song, and I like David Bowie, but I could, I remember it was very impactful to see it um, throughout the year, as we talked about history, as we talked about current issues in our government, in our world, and then looked at that also through the historical lens. And the David Bowie quote was, um, "These children that you spit on as they try to change the world. They're immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. Mm-hmm. right? And And to just kind of remember that, as as young kids come in, they do have some wisdom. yeah, and they are aware of some things and have some really good insight. I mean, I was always amazed when my kids were super young at things that they would say. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, out of the mouth of babes. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and if we get hung up on that generational thing or those stereotypes and those biases that we have, we're really going to miss some opportunities.
0: I think we also perpetuate this thing that has been happening throughout time um, where there's this, I'm going to do things differently than my parents did. and recovery, mm-hmm. that looks like, you know, when I got into recovery, the room was full of old crusty people who were not welcoming and just mean mm-hmm. and all that. I'm never going to do that. The truth is, I think most of the time we end up replicating what we felt
1: mm-hmm.
0: versus doing the opposite of what we saw. Yeah. Um, and so there's something to keep in mind too, as we, we're not just passing on like the 12 steps or principles of recovery, we're passing on a culture
1: mm-hmm. and the environment in mm-hmm. which we study and learn mm-hmm. those steps. Practice.
0: Because, because I would say that, that, that trope about the crusty unapproachable person in recovery has probably been there from the very beginning mm-hmm. and it's just reinforced, mm-hmm. you know, generation after generation. And, um, I, I and think- they're not
1: young, crusty people. What's no. that? <laughs> we don't talk about those young, crusty people at the meetings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I'm sure there can be some of those. Um, I've, I've encountered plenty of young rigid people yes. at meetings. Um, but I, I think there's a real importance of dialogue no matter what age you get into recovery. Mm-hmm. And there's there's benefit that comes from it. If you look at the 12 traditions, there's no, like, when you get to this age, then you can do tradition four. And when you get to right. this age, then it's everybody who comes in. This is how we do uh-huh. it. Um, and this is, this is why we do it. And um, I think it's important to remember that we're all here to help one another. And whether you're... In recovery on day one, or you're in recovery on day thirty, you have something to teach each other, right? Um, but we see, um, what was it that I, I just heard a study. It wasn't related to age, but it was talking about um, political affiliation, mm-hmm. and it said the vast majority of um, conservatives and liberals in this country would not tolerate a marriage. They would With not. The other. It, one, they would not tell one of their children marrying someone of a different different political ideology oh um, and um, so there, there's this continued polarization in our society and, and recovery is not just an invitation I think to heal individuals I think it's an invitation to really heal our culture right and to heal our world which we so need mm-hmm. and if if we're if we're, prone to come into recovery and get stuck in our camp, either I'm one of the old people or I'm one of the young people, we really miss an opportunity um, that I think recovery beautifully opens the door for. Yeah. Um, we'd also like to hear uh, from listeners, or I would like to hear from listeners, um, if you are young in recovery or if you were young in recovery, what worked for you?
1: Mm-hmm. Why
0: did you stay in? Mm-hmm. Um, or if you want to know more about that, what questions do you have? Or, for or right, may,
1: maybe you stayed in just because you felt this life has to change, mm-hmm. right? But what didn't happen that you needed? Yeah. What would you suggest or recommend, um, that, it, th- that you found missing when you started on your journey? So whether it was, you know, somebody who really impacted you in a positive way and that helped you stay in your journey, or maybe you just stayed despite, you know, the odds against you. Like what, what do you think would be helpful and how can we add that to the group so that young people are more welcome and, um, can, can kind of get this. Cause I also hear for young people, like it just doesn't stick. Like they might yeah. come, um, to meetings, but they never stay.
0: Yeah.
1: And, and I've talked, you know, I think both you and I have talked to female addicts, um, particular female sex addicts mm-hmm. who will say, on my first meeting, I was told that, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: oh, female sex addicts never stay. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, yeah, if you're telling me that first on my first mm-hmm. meeting, like, I probably won't or, stay. But is that about me or is that about you? Or hitting
0: on me or right. making me feel uncomfortable. Yeah.
1: And, and so, again, you know, how do we address some of the biases? What are some of the biases mm-hmm. that maybe just we don't even are we're not even aware that that's a bias that we have. We just think that's truth, and mm-hmm. and it's not. It's more of a bias.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, hopefully the majority of our listeners are caught up on episodes and you're hearing this uh we're recording this on march 1st hopefully you're hearing this close to march 1st 2019 yeah um we don't have
1: dates scheduled when we're going to do that we're still putting it together and working with everyone's schedule
0: but we're not going to wait six months either so please if you have questions or you have insights here or you want to contribute to the discussion please reach out to us yeah
1: or even if you're in a recovery group and Mm -hmm. um you think this would be great, like get questions from your group, whether they listen or not, get questions and send them to us.
0: Yeah. The email address you can send that to is thanksforsharingpodcast at gmail.com.
1: At the end of this episode, we want to remind you that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story till it's finished.
0: You can share your story with us on our Facebook page, Healing Paths Inc. or on our website, www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com.
1: This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help.
0: At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress.
1: And remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me.
0: Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.